0: So let's do a little bit of review and introduction kind of mixed in there together. Uh, Continuum, uh, the the least wordy definition I can find is this one, and it's still a big one, right? Continuum basically means it's, it's it's, it's like one set of things that are so connected together, it's hard to differentiate what they are. Okay, Uh, but but then when you look at sometimes you look at one end of the spectrum one end and you start looking farther and farther Okay, I I can see how there are different things, you know that there are different It's hard to tell, you know that you know kind of where my hand ends my wrist and my forearm begins You know and all of that But it's really easy to look at at my finger and say well, I know this is my finger. This is my shoulder Okay, that's kind of what it, it means to be a continuum. You are a continuum. You're not body plus soul plus spirit your body, soul, spirit. You're, you're a continuum. You can't divide those things. Now, a lot of people try to do that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a, a secularist attitude, even in churches that's moving in today, in Christianity, and, and kind of trying to divide this. It's almost like you've got, you've got a flesh life, and you've got a, a spirit life, and you've got a soul life. And, but what you're doing by that is you're really hurting yourself. Now, let me say this. Listen, you are, you're not going to get all the, all the amazing stuff out of this. If you just, if this is the first message you've heard, go to the podcast, listen to those first two messages, because there's some awesome stuff, especially in the first week and then last week about prayer. But this one, this one as well, you really need to hear that. But if you're not, if you're not living as a continuum, and you're dividing your life up, even dividing your life up in your time, like, you know, your school life or your work life and your family life, your home life, and then I got a church life for about an hour and 30 minutes on Sunday morning. If you're living like, you're not enjoying all the blessings you can have. Let me, kind of explain it to you this way. You know, sometimes when we begin to, to, to really focus on one area of our life, we get imbalanced, okay? And we really strengthen that one area of our life, and everything else is weak. Everything else begins to get anemic, if you will, and, and, and and so those areas of our life… They they begin to struggle, and because those areas struggle, even the strong areas of our life struggle. Okay, so, so, so what you've got to do is you've got to take this this whole of your existence and everything. I'll show this to you in scripture in just a few moments, but let me let me tell you a story you've you probably you probably uh, uh you know if you 've ever heard anybody preach you 've ever read the bible you, you've probably heard you know stories about Jesus being a good shepherd and talking about the shepherd and those things and how how he at times even talked about you know if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and, and one of them gets lost he leaves the ninety and nine and he goes to find that one that 's lost because the ninety nine are safe so he goes and finds the one that that isn 't safe and brings back and so th- there's there's a lot of imagery with shepherds in the Bible because People understood shepherding. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been around a lot of shepherds. Anybody here? I haven't been around a lot of sheep shepherds, you know? And so I don't know. So I I have to kind of read stories about what it means. Well, there was a story told by an American tourist. He was traveling in the Middle East, and uh, he, w- he was at a, a sheep watering hole when, when three flocks of sheep came up about the same time. Now, when they got to the watering hole, you know, they didn't stay all together like flock A, flock B, and flock C. They kind of all mixed and they just kind of jumping over each other trying to get a drink of water. And, and then when it got time for the first flock to leave, the shepherd began to call out, uh, you know, in, in his Arabic tone, Arabic voice, in an Arabic language, he began to call out, which means, follow me. And as he called out, a third of the sheep separated and started following him as they they began to walk away. And and the American tourist, he was uh, amazed by this, And then the second one, he started calling out, mine out, mine out. And half of the sheep that were left, they just kind of, you know, this one, this one, this one, this one, you know, they just kind of all started following and walking away from him. And so the American tourist, he he went over to the the third shepherd. He said, I want to try, I want to try that. Can can I try that? You know, I've heard the word, you know, let me try that. See if I can get them to follow me. And, and he even asked him, said, let me have your turban, let me have your cloak. And, and the shepherd, he was smiling, he thought it was kind of funny, you know, that he's going to try this. So he takes off his cloak, you know, and he, he helps him get the turban set on his head just, just right, you know. And so now the American, he, he, he's, he's figuring this out, you know, he's going to try to say it in that good Arabic Arabic tone and all that. And, and he says, manah, not mana. and not a sheep moves. And manah, manah, and not a sheep moves. And so he, he says, I, I don't understand that. And so as they're swapping back, you know, he's giving him the turban, he's giving him the cloak back. He asked the shepherd, he said, Do they always only follow your voice? He said, Always, always only follow my voice. And, and he said, They never follow the voice of another shepherd. And he said, The only time is if one gets sick, it will follow any voice that calls out to it. Now, think about this what he's saying. He's saying, When one gets sick, all of a sudden, it's not looking for the place it belongs, it's looking for anything. When you get sick, when you get anemic, when you get imbalanced in your life, you're not looking for what's right. You're looking for anything. And, and, and what happens to us as individuals is when when we begin to get imbalanced in our life and anemic, we start listening to all kinds of voices around us instead of the one voice that is willing to lay down his life for us. And, and, and I know you say, you know, I know you would never be uh, convinced by someone. You know, those of you who really go to church, you really. You really connected there with Jesus you would never be convinced would you that 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 there is not a God right I mean those voices they can say there is no God from now till eternity is over and you would never be convinced of that but some of you are being uh, are being twisted into believing that well maybe this part of the Bible isn't really true or maybe this part of the Bible isn't really of God and you're you're hearing those voices aren't you or you're hearing voices that, well well, maybe those things that that your parents have always told you growing up are are things that that were important, but they're not important to you. You're listening to those things, aren't you? You know why? Because you're getting anemic. When you get to those places, understand, it's because you're getting anemic and you're getting imbalanced in areas of your life. Here's the reason you don't need to allow that to happen. It's from verse four of 2 Peter chapter one, from the very first week of of this sermon series. Through these God has given us his very great You know what the word great means? Anybody know what great means? Y'all know what great means, right? Right? Y'all don't need a, a, a lesson right here, do you? vocabulary lesson. We know what great means. Awesome, tremendous, wonderful, amazing. We have great and precious. Now what does precious mean? Precious, dear, something important, something that you hold, hold close to you. This is important stuff. It's precious. Through these, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. We have great, awesome, powerful, wonderful, strong, tremendous promises that are also precious, that are dear to us. Things that God speaks to us and they don't belong to anybody else. They are mine and they are precious. And we have these kinds of promises and through them, we participate in the divine nature. Not just in the body and in the flesh, but in the divine nature of God, we are connected to Him. And through this, amazing, powerful, wonderful things happen through those promises. But we don't get that when we get imbalanced. Because instead of listening to the voice of the divine and and, and connecting with His divine nature, we start connecting with the other things. We start listening to the voices of, of reason. We start listening to the voices of political correctness. We start listening to the voices of liberal theology and, and, and things like, well, it can be this or can't. We start listening to those voices instead of the one of divine nature. The reason you need to connect with the divine nature is because through that, you have great and precious promises by this connection. Now, I, I, I want to tell, tell you how you get there because Simon Peter who wrote this chapter, wrote this book, the book of 2 Peter, as led by the the Spirit of God. He tells us how to get there. But before we do that, that's in verse 5, 6, and 7. I want to jump over to verse 8 and read verse 8 through 11 with you, okay? Because before I tell you how, I want to tell you a little bit more why, okay? Here's, Here's some of the why. The more you grow like this, like what? Okay, he has just just given us verses 5, 6, and 7. We haven't read those yet, okay? All right, but it was preceded by these great and precious promises and participating in the divine nature of God. So I hadn't told you what this is, but I'm going to tell you in a few minutes. But he says, the more you grow like this, what I'm going to tell you in a little bit, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to be productive. You're gonna be useful. I mean, uh, in in your Christian walk, do you ever feel unproductive? Do you ever feel useless? He says, the more you grow in these things, you're gonna be more productive. You're gonna be more useful to the kingdom of God. But those who fail to develop in this way, what way? Verse 5, 6, 7, I'll tell you about it. If If you don't do those things, if you don't develop in those ways, you're short sighted, you're blind. You're forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You're short-sighted or you're blind, meaning you cannot see what you've received. When you you fail to develop in the way he tells us about, that I'm gonna read to you in just a few moments. When you fail to develop in that way, you begin to get short-sighted and even blind and forget the things that God has given to you, like great and precious promises and participating in the divine nature, connecting with God himself and participating in the divine nature. You, you've forgotten even that you have been cleansed from your old sins, verse 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort because of this, because of all these wonderful things, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow, what, what, do you ever, did, did you ever see this, this promise before? That if you do these things, you will never stumble. <laughs> You're not you, that you will never fall flat on your face, he said you'll never even stumble. You never trip a little bit if you do these things. How I many of you are you stumbling somewhere? Are you struggling somewhere? He says, get back to five, six, and seven and do these things, and you'll never stumble. So then the converse must be true. That if I do these things in verse five, six, and seven, I'll never stumble. Then if I don't do these things, I will probably stumble. And so you don't have to ask anymore. Why am I stumbling? Why am I struggling? Why is it such, such a hard thing to do? Because, maybe because I'm not doing 5, 6, and 7. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every one of us has inside of us this seed, this seed of faith that makes us reach out. and We know there's something beyond us. There's something bigger out there than us. That when we breathe our last breath one day, when when we die and we pass from this earth, we know there's something in that next second or those next few moments. There's something else that is there. And here's the promise that if you do these things, you will not stumble here and you will have eternal life with God. You will have awesome promises. Now, how do we get there? All right, I wanted to to throw that to you because I wanted you to see all these awesome promises. You have great, precious promises participating in the divine nature of God. You will not stumble, and you will have eternal life. I mean, all of these things. How do you get there? Go back to verse five. Here's how it happens. It says, now add to your faith. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Because of this, because you've got great, precious promises that are laying right there for you, because you can be in unity with God, participating in the divine nature, instead of always just falling to the failures of, the, of your flesh, you can participate in the divine nature. Therefore, add to your faith. Okay, uh, now i got to tell you what we're going to add in just a moment, okay? But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's start right here. Faith. Okay, he starts with faith. Now, he's talking to Christians, okay? So he's talking to people that already have faith. But you know what? Here's the thing. Is every person, whether you've ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you've ever decided... To walk as a Christian or not, every one of us has a seed of faith. Where of God tells us that? There is something inside of us. So that's why, that's why when you come and you decide you want to accept Christ as your Savior, the reason, the reason you want to do that is because there's already inside of you a seed of faith that, that, then, that then in moments like we had just a few moments ago, that, that, that God reaches down and he touches and says, oh, wow. That, that that's been laying there dormant for so long, I, I, I didn't even realize it was there, and boom, and it begins to flow. And so, and so faith is like the foundation of everything we believe. It is the foundation of our, of our relationship with Christ. It is, it is the foundation. It, it, is, it is how we act. It is our obedience to Him. It, it is, it is, it is uh, how we respond when He begins to speak to us. It is all this, uh, so our faith, and, and, and it's the very beginning of all that, and, and, and you don't have to say, well, I don't know if I have faith. Yeah, you've got faith. Every one of us has a measure of faith. All you have to do is you have to now start acting on it and adding something to it. So what do we add to it? Now look, see, here's the continuum. This is what what Peter is telling us is that this is not one thing. You don't just have faith and everything else works out. You don't pray a prayer for five minutes and say, God, I'm sorry for all of my sins and all of your sins are forgiven. You go into heaven. You never have any more problems in life. No, that's not the way it works. That stumbling part, it doesn't happen because you prayed a five-minute prayer. That never stumbling happens when you say, I want my whole life to be balanced, to be strong, to be healthy. I don't want to be anemic. I want to be strong. I want, I want to see it happen. I want to have great and precious promises. I want to participate in the divine nature. How does it happen? Add to your faith. There are some things you must add to your faith. That's just the starting point. And everybody starts in the starting point. Everybody starts with that faith. Whether you've acted on it or not, every one of us has the faith. But he says, add this. Add this goodness, right? That's the first one. Add goodness. Goodness is just virtue, moral character, integrity. He says, to your faith, add virtue, moral character, integrity. I know some of you think, I thought all Christians had that. No, all Christians are supposed to have that. We're supposed to add to, it's not enough to just come in here on Sunday morning and say, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I believe that song. I believe that word. I believe that scripture you just read, Pastor. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that I've got faith, and I believe that, you know, I'm even going to be obedient. I'm going to be baptized in water next week because I want everybody to know that I have faith in Jesus, and that's what this symbolizes is is my faith in Jesus. I believe all that, but you don't add goodness to that. You're missing the very first step of getting to the place of great and precious promises, participating in the divine nature, and on and on and on and on. You're missing all of that, and you're missing the, by missing the very first, first point is, is, Christians should have, can I get an amen here? Christians should have virtue. Christians should have moral character. Christians should have integrity. Amen. amen. I'll preach that a little while now. I will not plan on staying here very long, but if you don't help me here, I'm going to stay there, okay? Because there's a whole lot more I need to say right here on this slide. You can say how many more spaces we got, right? i got a lot to say, but if we don't get, if we don't get this done, I mean, we, there, there's no need in going any further. We are supposed to have that. I think that's a given. I think we all understand that, but I wanted to drive it home a little bit here too, okay? Is that you have to seek after that, okay? And then the, 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 the second thing he says, add to your faith, goodness, and add to your goodness, knowledge. Okay, now, I've taken this verse of scripture, these verses of Scripture and i kind of cut out all this because it's kind of wordy. Just let you see it right there. Then add knowledge. Now, how do you add knowledge of God To yourself. By the Word, right? The Word of God speaks to us and tells us who He is, tells us all about Him. And so the way we add knowledge is by the Word of God. And Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our hearing or our knowledge or our understanding is broadened by reading the Word of God. And, by, and also through that, our faith is also broad. So look what he's showing. He is showing us that these aren't individual things, that knowledge even connects back to my faith. Because he says, reading the Word of God and gaining knowledge is what produces more faith. So faith and, and knowledge are also connected. All of these things connect. It's a continuum. You don't work on this one thing. We, we have to make sure every part of, of who we are is stable and is solid. And so that's why, you know, if you ever heard anybody say that you need to read the Word of God, here's why you need to read the Word of God: you need to have the knowledge because the knowledge gives you more faith to believe for even greater things. And then, I think he says, add self-control. Right? Is the next thing self-control. You know, there there is a positive continuum that, that Simon Peter is talking about here. The Holy Spirit is, is showing Simon Peter this, and he's writing it down. There's a there's a positive continuum of all these things, but there's also a negative continuum. And, and in the Book of James, chapter one, verse 14-15. James was moved on by the Holy Spirit to tell us about a negative continuum. Here's how this thing happens. He says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Do you know why temptation has ha- has power over you? It's because you're tempted toward things that you desire. You know? I mean, if you don't like sweets, it wouldn't do me a bit of good to tempt you with a chocolate-covered donut from Crypto Cream, right? However, some of you are chuckling because you're already thinking, it would work on me, Pastor. It would work on me. Go ahead, tempt us. You, you, do you have them today? No, I don't, don't have any. So don't get excited. You know, I, yeah, I was never tempted with, now back when I was growing up, you know, we called it smoking dope, you know. I was never tempted with smoking dope now one reason is because my mom had me so scared of the stuff You know the first time I saw somebody smoking a marijuana cigarette I thought it would jump on me from 15 feet away and I went in the other direction My mom, my mom did her job about that okay, but I was never tempted that because one reason I've got an allergy to smoke You know it's really be hard for me to smoke dope You know if I've got an allergy to smoke right so don't tempt it ain't gonna work, right? I mean the reason temptation has strength in your life is because of your desire that you are lured and enticed by temptation. Okay, so the desire happens, and then there is a lure, or you've got a desire, and then there's a lure and then an enticement that brings uh, a temptation. Then, when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Okay, so so you've got this, you've got this passion or desire and lust inside of you. you. You've got this desire inside of you, this passion inside of you. That is one part of who you are. But but then when when you see the temptation or you see the lure, or the enticement, because it's there, it connects. And and it, and, and if you leave it there. If you don't battle and get it out of the way, and if you don't do like my mom had me scared enough to do and say, I don't want any of that. If you don't do that, and, and you, you let that dwell there in your heart or in your mind, you let that dwell there, then when it conceives, it gives birth to sin. You act it out with your hands, your fingers, your mouth, or whatever, your eyes, any part of your body. You act it out. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. What do you see this? It's a continuum. It starts from your very desire, and because of lust, or, or, or I'm sorry, because of the lure and the enticement, the temptation happens, and if you don't get rid of that temptation, sin happens, and, because, and then after that, death happens to you. You begin to die, because you begin to get imbalanced, you begin to get sick, and you die. There's a continuum of evil as well. So then one of the things you've got to add to your faith is Self-control. Because you have these desires that temptations, or, or these lures and enticements are going to draw you to temptations. They don't come from outside. They come from right here. They, uh, that's where the power is. The power is in the desire that you have. You like donuts. That's where the temptation comes from. You know, it, it, It's right inside of here. If you don't like donuts, it doesn't matter. I don't like rutabagas. Does anybody in this house like rutabagas? You know, my mom likes rutabagas. She and I think two people could be t- enticed by rutabagas today. You know, I don't know anybody else that can, you know. But the, the, the lure may be out there, but the, the power is right here. And so that's why you, get this understand, you have to exercise self-control. It's not about that and it's not about those. It is about the desire that is inside of me that I have to keep under control. And you know what the next one is? I think it's perseverance. Is it perseverance? Yes, perseverance. He said, now add to that perseverance. You know what perseverance means? It means, to pers- it means to persevere or to stick it out through. What he's saying is you need to add some perseverance to your faith. You need to persevere in your faith. Even when it doesn't look right, persevere and believe anyway. You need to add some perseverance to your goodness. That even when it gets tough to be... Has it- have you ever had a day that it was tough to be good? Come on. Come on now. I, you, uh, okay of you're honest, right? I've had days it was tough to be good, you know, but he's saying add some perseverance to your, to to, to your, to your goodness and add some perseverance to your knowledge. You know, I think some, some weeks you think you're not really learning a whole lot. Anybody, anybody go to school and you went to a class and you felt like you weren't learning anything in that class? Come on, come on now, come on now. Yeah, I've, I've, I've wasted some of the best afternoons of my life over at UAB. You know, uh, you know, I, I, you know I really believe that. I, you know, just, but then later, you know, later in life, you know, I look back and, and there were little tidbits. Maybe not something I picked up in that particular class, but there were things that were happening and all of these things adding up. Persevere in your knowledge. When you're reading the Word of God and you think, I'm not getting a lot out. Persevere, just keep, because you don't realize what is coming out of that. And persevere in your self-control, even when you're going to mess up. You're, you're going to mess up, but persevere in your self-control. What's the next one? After, after perseverance is godliness. Now, what does that mean? That means being like God. Godliness means being like God. It's kind of like being a Christian. Christian means to be Christ-like. That's what godliness means. It means being godlike, being like God. Now, we, we don't use that word like godlike because then people think we've got a God complex and we're like, we can be, oh, you know. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing everything we can to be holy and pure and honest with people and righteous, doing those things, following in the example of Jesus Christ in obedience. Again, like next week, people who are going to be baptized in water. You know why? Because Jesus said, you need to do this. Show everybody that you're following after me. I'm not, you know, I'm the only guy that does this thing. So do this and everybody knows you're one of mine. And so people are following in his example, but we don't need to just follow in his example by going down into the water and coming back up. We need to follow in his example in everything. Godliness. You know, there was some bracelets and t-shirts and stuff quite a few years ago with WWJD, you know? What would Jesus do? I know that was a fad for a while and I've actually still see some of those around every once in a while, but that's exactly what we're supposed to do as Christians. When we add godliness, we're asking, and what would Jesus do in this situation? Yeah, You know, see, see, when you have one of those days that it's hard to be good, that's when you need to ask the question, what would Jesus do in this situation? Come on. Somebody cut you off in traffic. And you want to wave at them with 20% of your hand? What would Jesus do? And maybe you don't do that, but you sit on the horn, right? Would Jesus sit on the horn? You don't... Like today, I'm trying to get out in traffic. Y'all ever try to get out of the Jack's parking lot or even get into the Jack's parking lot sometimes on a Sunday morning? I'm trying to get out of the parking lot, and finally I get a little bit of a break, and I take off out there. And a car who is not even close enough to throw a baseball and hit me sits on the horn like I have just committed the greatest sin. And I'm thinking, you know, the only thing you just did is you scared me to death. Right? Would Jesus scare somebody to death just for meanness? Would he do that? Godliness, godliness. You see, when we're, when we're imbalanced, we're missing something. Any workaholics here? Come on, be honest. Workaholics? You can can raise your hand inside. You don't have to admit it to people around you. Just raise your hand inside. You probably need to get a life. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, you, you just probably need to get a life. How about know-it-alls? Any know-it-alls? I fi- Oh, wow, we got more hands going up for know it all. Hey, y'all quit pointing back there, okay? I'm asking people to be honest and raise their own hands, all right? Any know-it-alls? After service, we want you to come down front. We would like to anoint you for a prayer of humility that God would just give you some humility because... You might not think you need it, but we need you to have it, okay? So we would like to have, it. how about type A's? Any type A's, y'all know what type A is, right? Driven, Oh, competitive, gotta get it done, <laughs> I don't know what we got done, but we got it done faster than we've ever gotten it done before, right? Yeah. Type A's, you probably need some friends. <laughs> type A's have a hard time hanging on to friends a lot of times. And dreamers, any dream- have you got any dreamers here that you're always dreaming about what I'm gonna do next, <laughs> yeah. You need to go get a real job, okay? And just go ahead and make some some money and start putting your life back. Okay, a funny way to look at it, but here it is. When you focus on one thing, you're missing so many other things in your life. You're empty. You're imbalanced. And when you're imbalanced, you start listening to everything around you. Man, if you're always a dreamer, if that's who you are, man, you're going to listen to everybody with any kind of dream anywhere around you. You, know, you, are going to, you are going to be the scam expert because you are going to go through just about every one of them because you're dreaming. You're listening. You're, you're listening to all those things because you're in balance. You know, and, when, and when you're driven, when you're a type A, if you're not careful, you take that to too to, to to, to long of lengths into your life, you will drive everybody away from you. And you, the voices you hear are the ones inside of you telling you, man, you're doing a great job. It's still going. And nobody else is talking to you because everybody else is. They've figured out a way to get out of this thing. He's gonna kill us if we stay with him. Let's go find somewhere else to be. <laughs> and, and and you're, you're gonna lose that. You're gonna lose. And you lose so much when you focus on one thing. God wants you to be everything. There's two last things that's in this list. And, and I'm closing right here. here. Here's the last things. Uh, and affection and love. Now that sounds like the same thing, doesn't uh, you know, I, I had to I had look at this. Like God that's the same thing to me okay sometimes in the English language we struggle a little bit because we see words that that means the same thing doesn't it so I had to look look it up had to dig down a little bit and see what it really meant and it's two different kinds affection as in brotherly affection like church-wise okay and in love is like the love we have for everybody in the whole world including us but even more so for those out there and so this first one this is affection and this is where I want to end right here today. This is where I feel like God wants us to end. Is this brotherly affection. God has called us to one another. Do you know that? God has called us to one another. He has called me to be with you and you to be with me. Okay, let me see if I can remind some of you. Do you all remember when you were 10 years old and you, had, you just had to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? You know, you know, do you remember when you just had to? And why did you need a boyfriend at 10 years old? Or maybe 12 years old for some of you. Maybe you weren't quite as mature as the rest of us and needed a girlfriend at 10 years of age. But, you know, why did you need... Okay, you need somebody to sit by on the bus, right? Kind of embarrassing to ride to school on the bus by yourself all the time. Honestly, there are some 10-year-olds, you know, that that's, that's what they think about. I need somebody to ride with me on the bus. You know, one, one 10-year-old gets a girlfriend and all the other guys got to have a girlfriend sit with them on the bus, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it kind of goes. Or you need somebody to talk to on the phone, you know? Of course, you know you don't get talking on the phone a whole lot, but you know just on the occasion when you ain't got anything else to do, you know somebody. Today it's okay. I'm talking about you know if you can remember back, but today it's probably you know tweet or Facebook message or 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 even chat in some in uh, in some way. It's some kind of digital uh, communication. You just need somebody to talk to, right? You know, or you need sometimes you need just to be seen with somebody. You need somebody to be seen with. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, sometimes it's embarrassing to be the only person that's alone in the room. You just need somebody to be seen with. The problem with that, come on now, you, the, you ladies, you know, especially you thinking about us guys, you think back to those early, early, early years. You think about that, and remember, and you think about it, yeah, and the problem is, is the first day I get on the bus, you know, and I'm supposed to sit by my new boyfriend, and, and one of his best friends has got a brand new game, and where's my boyfriend now, right? Somebody's got a new game, and, you know, he's on the back seat of the bus. They're playing a new game, you know? Uh, or, 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 you know, I really would like, you know, why isn't he answering me? Why isn't he answering me? Because and, and his, his, his show's on TV, you know? I mean, he's watching a movie or something, you know? Or, or he's, he's, he's playing with some friends. Why does he not answer me? He, he, he's not there for you, is he? Or you show up at the event and you think, oh, I'm so glad I'm not going, by, going to this event by myself. I've got a boyfriend who can stand beside me at the event. But all of a sudden, you didn't realize that today uh, a new, prettier girl moved into town. And now all of a sudden, he doesn't need to be seen with you. He needs to be seen with this prettier girl. Amen or oh me. Doesn't it feel bad when you start getting pushed aside by all those kinds of things? But see, that's the way we kind of look at it when we're 10, 11, maybe 12. We're kind of looking at what's, you know, what's in a relationship for me. problem is a lot of us never grow up. And our relationships are still that way. What's in it for me? I just need somebody to be seen with. I just need to not be alone. I, I, I just need somebody to talk to. I just need somebody to be there for me. And a real problem that, of that is that's the way we approach church. Come on, think about it. Why do you think you need to be in church today? You know, most of us say, well, I need to be here because I need encouragement. I need to be challenged by God. I need this or I need that and I need that. And that's why you think you're supposed to be in church today. And you know, that's really not why you're supposed to be in church today. It's not see, we have misunderstood he, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The first part of that verse says, that's my next slide there. He says, not giving up meeting together some are in the habit of doing. We, we misunderstand that. You see, we've read that. And I've heard that. I've heard that preached all my life. I grew up in church. I have been beat over the head by this scripture. I don't know how many times in my life. You, you know, like a, they had a baseball bat. You better be in church. You got to go to church. I mean, that's the way we have always used this verse of scripture, right? You have to go to church because the Bible says you better go to church. Don't forsake it. Don't neglect it. Don't ignore the assembling of yourselves together. Don't do that. You have to be in church and beating you over the head. And that's the way we look at it, right? We've always looked at it that way. I mean, isn't that what you think? That you're supposed to be here because you're supposed to be here because, I mean, you've got some bad in you that God's got to drag out? Well, you might have. But that's not even what this verse of Scripture means. Can I tell you what this means? I'd like to do it with you standing down here with me. Would you stand with us? If we're going to close. And listen, if you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front when it's convenient, and uh, we would love to have you join us. If you're comfortable, come join us. We don't do anything weird or crazy down here. Uh, we're going to close with a final prayer and a final song and, and a final one other thing, but we'd encourage you to come join us this morning. All right, slip on in, slip on in. There you go. Let me, here's the problem, is we've got just a phrase up here. Verse 24 and 25 is one whole sentence, okay? It's only got one period in it, and it's the very end. Let's look at it together. Here's the rest of it. And let us, this is what, this is the context of that beating over your head, you better be in church. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, put up the bat. Put up the baseball bat. That's not what this verse is about. This verse is not about, you know, okay, a baseball bat's a good way to spur somebody else to the good deeds, right? Maybe that's what we're thinking about there. That's not what this, it says, we need to be thinking about how we can encourage one another into good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching, meaning the end of times, that last day, that last day approaching. More so, the closer you get to that, and you know, each of us has our own day, right? We've all got our own last day here on this earth, right? So even more so as you see that day for you approaching. What is he saying? He's saying the reason you need to be in church is not for you. You need to be here for everybody else. I'm not here today for you. Can, I, can I, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I will get a whole lot more out of God for me if I spent an hour and a half just me and God with the Bible and prayer and some good praise music in the back. I'll get a lot from me. I'm not here for me. I'm here for the body. You're not here for you. You're here for the body. But that's why you got to do all those other things, that whole list there. That's why you got to be digging into the scripture yourself, because this isn't for you. This is for the body. This isn't for me. We're here for one another. If you were to look to the right and to the left, this, this church has nearly 50%, nearly 50% of the people attending this church were going nowhere before coming to 2911. If you look to the right or the left, one of those people probably were going nowhere before coming here. They are not churched or they have been out of church for a long time or whatever. And they got problems. And they don't know stuff and they need encouragement. And then those others that have been in church, let me tell you, they have problems too because Everybody in their family hasn't been in church just because they have. Everybody around you has got problems. You know, the calling of God on your life for today, for this moment, and and here's what I believe. I hadn't said this in a while, so let me say it. What what is the most important thing to do? Whatever it's time to do right now. You know, is is, is reading the Bible more important? Is singing more important? Is praying more important? The most important thing to do is whatever it's time to do right now. And on Sunday morning, for an hour and 15 minutes or so, the most important thing, hour and a half, the most important thing to do is to encourage one another. Because somebody needs encouragement. Let me, let me give you the very best encouragement I can give you right now. We're going to have a word of prayer. Let me give you the very best encouragement I can give you right now. That is, your life can be awesome. You have great and precious promises. You can participate in the divine nature of God through the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away your sins. I, I, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I, fe- I felt that, I, I felt this morning that I needed to share this with you that your life, may be, your life may be a mess. You may be stumbling a whole lot, you know, and, and you may be struggling with a whole lot of stuff, and it may be imbalanced, and, and it may be anemic in a lot of areas, and you have so many voices telling you, I need to do this, and a lot of voices inside telling you to do that. Those are the ones you need to, issue, uh, to exercise some self-control over. But you've got all that going on. Let me tell you this morning. Let me tell you how to get some rest from that. Let me encourage you. By trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins and to put you back on that just pure foundation of faith in him so that you can start again. I I may be talking to somebody that's never known Jesus Christ before, and I'm talking to a lot of people that have known Jesus Christ for a long time, but things have got out of kilter. It's time to get back to the foundation. Let's get back to the foundation of faith. Come on, bow with me for just a moment. Let's pray. If you don't know Jesus, but you want things to be different in your life, I invite you right now. Just pray with me this right, this prayer right here. You don't have to say these words, but just pray along with me. God, I love you, God, and I love you because I sense that you're trying to do something for me right now. I, I, I've sensed it in this whole service, God. I believe you, God, that you you want to turn some things around in my life. You want to, God, you want you want to, you want to issue a decree to let me start all over afresh and anew. I believe that, God. God, I believe that. And so I ask you just by the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away all of my sins, to just tear everything out of my life that doesn't need to be, and get me down to a foundation of faith that I can start fresh and anew with you. And God, so that I I can begin to persevere in all those areas of my life. And God, I can have those great and precious promises and even participate in your divine nature, God. I ask you for that. Let it begin right now. Let it begin this moment, I pray. God, for somebody here right now, God, that just for the first time believing in the power of Jesus Christ to wash away their sins, Lord, I ask you, God, to do it for them, Lord, because you said you would in your word. And let today be a new beginning for them in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me tell you, if you, if you just prayed that prayer first time or a hundredth time, because you've had a rough go of it, a lot of stumbling, you need, you need, to, you need to text me, uh, text You can text the the phone number that that goes on the screen all during the service. Or or you can can email me, rickhand at charter, I'm sorry, rickhand at att.net, rickhand at att.net, or pastor at church2911.com. And let me, I've got something I need to put in your hands. If you became a Christian today, or if you've come back to God, or if you've been, you've been walking in a whole lot of stuff, and he's straightened you out, straightened out some stuff today, i got something I need to give to you in, in, in the email. It's just, it's 21 emails that you need to get from me, okay? You need to get that, all right? Do that.